Finding Your Peace with Shelley J. Miller is a show dedicated to helping you move into an experience of love, peace, and joy that lasts. Using the principles from the teachings of Jesus in A Course in Miracles, you will learn how to transform your life by becoming miracle-minded, heal yourself, your relationships, and your finances by understanding how to break free and awaken. Call in for a mini-reading to gain clarity and receive guidance. Now, here's your host, Shelley J. Miller. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Finding Your Peace, Episode 8. I'm your host, Shelley J. Miller. As always, I like to mention, because I tell stories on myself, and you'll wonder where they're coming from, that I'm a professional psychic and a medium. I am. Uh, I read the Akashic Records, and I'm also a professional spiritual life coach. So, But as always on Finding Your Peace, the radio show and the podcast, I'm here to share the teachings of Jesus from A Course in Miracles, near and dear to my heart and my real focus in life. Uh, so today, Episode 8. Alcoholics Anonymous and A Course in Miracles. And I am blessed, and you are too, that you don't know it yet, to have a wonderful person with us today, a special guest, Stephen Mead, a gentleman that I was blessed to meet about, I don't know, five or six years ago, I think, Steve. It's been quite a while, hasn't it? Yeah, about that, up on Whidbey. On Whidbey Island, in, in, uh, in, uh, outside of Seattle. And um, it was interesting how we met because, you know, Jesus says there's no such thing as a coincidence. And boy, who would have, who would have thunk it? You know, 40, uh, 40 years ago, I had a song and dance partner in my high school. I was in a musical and dance uh, outfit called Windjammers at Lake Oswego High School. And my song and dance partner was a gentleman by the name of John French. And 40 years after never having any communication with anyone from high school except one friend, he reached out to my sister on Facebook wanting to get in touch with me because we had a high school reunion coming up, which I did not attend, but we began emailing. And he went to the high school reunion and he's, he uh, had an incident there that, that hurt him. And I emailed him back some help from A Course in Miracles. And he said, he emailed me back almost immediately and said, that's from A Course in Miracles. Are you a course student? And I said, yes, are you? And he said, oh, yes. You know, and, and I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, what are the chances 40 years later, somebody would reach out? Spirit is really crafty. So it's all, it's all meant to be. And then uh, about a year later, he was kind enough to fly me up to visit him. And his main goal was to take me out to meet you, sir. And uh, you shared your story with me. And I felt the peace and the authenticity of you. And uh, I think I called you a little while later to ask you for some counsel on Pathways of Light. I was dealing with some issues that I couldn't get around. And you were very kind to help me with that. And then uh, when Spirit told me when I took a break that I was going to start having guests on the show and your name appeared, uh, your face appeared psychically in front of me. And uh, before I could even reach out to you, John called you and you graciously accepted to come on the show. So thank you, Stephen. Welcome. Would you like to, uh, you wrote a bio to me and um, I couldn't remember all of your story, but I remember I was impressed with it. And I was wondering if you would share that with our audience, because uh, you have quite a victory. You said that you found the, um, what was it that you said in your bio about the uh, finding alcohol, the, the, the magic of alcohol in high school. And I know you came from a large family and the persuasiveness of the ego and all of that. And, and uh, would you share, because I think everybody can, can benefit, you know, um, 
whether they're, they have an addiction of some sort or a family member doesn't really matter because wouldn't you agree that it's, it's the failure, the feeling of failure and not worthy that, that, that engenders in all of us from, from the experience of separation. That's really at the core of everything. I don't know what your take is on it, but please share if you, if you would, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for the kind introduction, Shelley. And, um, I just want to mention too, just what a dear, dear friend John French is of mm-hmm. my, my wife's and mine, and uh, he's helped us tremendously over the years too. So, uh, if we're talking kind of alcoholism and Course in Miracles, when I started drinking in high school, um, it was <clears throat> a solution to everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when I drank. Uh, I had a feeling of ease and comfort and uh, no problem was too great that alcohol couldn't solve. Okay. And so of course uh, my no, nobody thought it was a good idea for me to drink <laughs> <laughs> at 15 or 16 or whatever time I started. So I went to, uh, I, like you said, I came from, I'm third out of nine from a Catholic family. And in those days, it was kind of where I grew up. It was a Catholic ghetto neighborhood. We all went to Catholic schools, grade school, high school. We knew everybody in the neighborhood. They all knew us. And um, here we are, you know, 50, 60 years later and still have friends from the old neighborhood. But at any rate, um, Um, drinking solved every problem I thought I had. Of course it didn't last. And of course, as I got older and was able to drink in even more inappropriate places and situations, the consequences followed, but drinking would push the consequences away, even if it was for a short while. Okay. So um, and, and oh, also, please interrupt at any point if, if you have a question or comment or anything. It's, okay, well, was it because uh, it numbed you out or it just gave you a false sense of fearlessness? Well, the sense didn't seem false. It was a, a, an inner feeling of ease and comfort and, you know, one with all. So later on, I found out it's no mistake that they call alcohol spirits. Oh, that's interesting. I felt, um, I'd like to say I felt good when alcohol worked. But Mm -hmm. really, there's one too many O's in there. I I felt God. I mean, I didn't have those words in my head. Uh. But I felt at peace and at one with everything and everybody. Wow. And but remember, it didn't last. Right, and there right. Were tremendous consequences to pay. Okay. But then when people said, "Hey, Stephen, don't drink," well, are you kidding? You can take a drink and feel God, right? And not, not, you know, and they and of course, like many alcoholics, people in my circle, my family, my parents and stuff, they tried to reason with me. They tried mm-hmm. to every way you can think of to try and tell an alcoholic not to drink. But I didn't have the articulation that I felt God. Okay. But I wasn't going to stop because it didn't matter. I, I wanted that sense of ease and comfort with my soul more than anything else. 
and, and I got it from alcohol until I didn't. Okay. So was it progressive or it just didn't last? And so you medicated again and medicated again, or was it a buildup of over the years, you really couldn't find God again? Well, you know, that's a good question. I don't know when it stopped working, mm-hmm. but they, in, in the AA circles, they call it just chasing the high. You know, I knew I had it and it was in my psyche. So th- this isn't consciously articulated, but it would, it explained why I would drink when only bad things would happen because there was that memory, that, that, that imprint of the good things of the good thing of that feeling. Right. And, um, and interestingly, it's the same feeling that I've heard, uh, um, very evolved spiritual people talk about that they can get in meditation, mm-hmm. except except they don't end up in jail, you know? <laughs> and their car doesn't end up around a tree, <laughs> <laughs> and and they don't get fired from work and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there's a difference. Right. And I I married early, had four children. And um, drinking was in every part of my life. And I suffered, uh, like I said, tremendous consequences. Um, I just, I couldn't be happy anymore. I had a lot of responsibilities and I had a tremendous sense of wanting to show success in my family and extended family and community. I wanted to be looked at as a success. So um, right after high school, which I about the only one of the nine kids that didn't go to college, the one I like to say that that's the one nice thing I did for my parents. I didn't make them want to waste money on college for oh. me. Um, I, knew I, w- I knew I would fail. All I wanted to do was drink. And in those days, so I had to, uh, the Vietnam War was going on. It was 1970. And anyway, I ended up in the Marine Corps for four years and got married there, had my kids. And um, and then, so I'm, I'm out in 74, 1974. I'm um, like, whatever, 20, 23 <clears throat> years old or something. And now I've got to support a family. And so a set of circumstances showed up in my life where I was able to do what I now call God's work. Okay. And I was a used car salesman. That's supposed to be a joke. Everybody's supposed to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. I got into the used car business and uh, and I was able to make a lot of money in it, and which I liked. But I was tremendous, just tremendously irresponsible with the money and with my finances and my Life was a mess in that area and every other area too. And the years started going by and, um, and, and a lot of this, Shelly, was uh, subconscious. I just wanted to be looked at as a success. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wasn't. I, inside, I, I knew I was a failure and I couldn't figure out why. Um, I, I just... I just couldn't figure it out. 
And my parents, uh, we were all raised Catholic. My parents were devout Catholics, and they found great solace in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we, if the discussion, if I was having with my mom and dad ever turned around uh, uh, goals in life and stuff, they would highly suggest, geez, go back to the church, Stephen. You know, you'll, you'll find your answers there. Mm-hmm. And which may be true, but I never went back to see. Um, I also had this, uh, again, I think subconscious, this idea that I know what I should do. I know what I should do to live a happy, productive life. And I couldn't do it. Um, for years, it turned out if I just had more money, then I could pay off all these bills and things would be fine. But it didn't work that way. I'd got more money and I get more debt. So um, mo- moving along in my story, uh, I, I, ended up, um, I ended up buying a house on Mercer Island, which is a, a, it's a very wealthy kind of suburb of Seattle. I mean, pe- people that live on Mercer Island, they've arrived. <laughs> a lot of this is in my mind, too, except it's, it, it's a nice place. <laughs> And um, I was a couple blocks from the uh, Catholic school, five-bedroom home on Mercer Island. My kids were going to go to school there. So I had the outward looking at the time as, hey, here's a guy that's, you know, doing good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was a nice neighborhood we lived in, a nice street, a real nice street. In fact, we met the neighbors at the end of the street, and I thought the, the wife at the end of the street <laughs> – she was really nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so um, we ended up we ended up in an affair, and she had four kids, all the same sex and ages as mine, going to school together and all that. And um, as always happens, of course, we weren't able to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. So small community. Um, it must have been really fun gossip fodder for the, for, yeah. for the people. Of course, my, my wife, um, she, she threw me out. Um, and all I did was lie to her about everything. And um, this other woman ended up getting thrown out too. And, um, but right before that happened, right before that happened, uh, my wife, she couldn't figure out what was wrong with our relationship. And she asked me many times, are you having an affair? And then specifically, are you having an affair with this woman? And of course, I would look her straight in the eye, not blink and say, of course not. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she decided that I needed to go to AA. Oh. She, had talked to, she had talked to her sisters and they'd had experience from spouses and stuff <clears throat> with alcoholism. And I couldn't believe she would say that because it, I thought if I had a problem with alcohol, I'd know it. Oh my and, gosh, really? Well, I figured I would. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> all, all the evidence of my life showed that I was, I was just out of control in, all the, in the normal areas that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, except I couldn't see any of it. Wow. And see, here's the deal, Shelly alcohol wasn't a problem it was always a solution to me oh because well that makes sense Stephen. yeah yeah when you're insane insane Mm -hmm. things make sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so 
um, any rate, so she said, um, you know, you're going to AA or we're getting a divorce. So I ended up at AA. In fact, my, my last drink, which was 35 years ago on August 14th, was in the, was in the parking lot of, a, um, of an AA clubhouse because that's where I went to the meeting. <laughs> and I had two drinks left after drinking all day, of course. So I'm going to this meeting at night. And I thought, well, I have one of them now and the other one on my way home. And then I thought, well, what if something happens? I, I can't believe it because I didn't want to stop drinking. What if they do something in that AA thing? And, I, and I, then I'd have a drink that I couldn't drink and that'd be wasteful. So I drank it. So I came into the AA meeting like so many people do, um, basically drunk. And um, I had zero interest in anything they said at the meeting. I could hardly, uh, I don't even really remember what I was saying, but my wife was there because she wanted to make sure I went. And at the end of the meeting, um, which is very common now, but of course I didn't know any of this at the time because it was my first time. These nice, kind men, as I was walking out the door, they kind of blocked the doorway and they're talking to my wife. And they said, um, um, do you know your husband's drunk? And I couldn't believe they, they said that because there's this man code. You, you know, you don't tell some guy's wife that the husband's drunk. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? Of course, I was furious. And my wife said, yeah, I know. And um, they said, hey, if you need a ride home, we'll, we'll give you one so you don't have to ride with him. But we came in separate cars, so it did, that, that part didn't matter. Well, uh, that was the last I was ever going to have to do with AA ever. But one of the guys said, hey, Stephen, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow morning and we're going to go to another AA meeting. Can you not drink till tomorrow? And I was offended by that I said you know I can quit anytime I want I just don't want to and but I couldn't say that in front of my wife of course so mm -hmm. anyway, one day turned into two days two days turned into you know a week and then a month and then I'm um with no intention of not drinking that's what happened wow. and then I got involved in the community because much like our course communities at least around here in Seattle you form a fellowship and you get involved with people's lives and, it, and your life just changes. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, that got me involved in AA and I, um, and I can, I made a mistake that many, many people do. I thought if I quit drinking, that's the main thing in AA all the rest of the stuff, the steps and all that, they, you know, they can just come when they come. Um, I, I didn't realize the error of my thinking for a lot of years later. Um, I just had this idea. If I don't drink, then everything's okay. Later on, I found out that drinking, it's important in AA not to drink. <laughs> Nobody's saying it's not. But the, but they call it in our lit, in our AA literature that drinking is just a symptom of the disease. Uh -huh. Well, I confused it with the disease. So if I'm not drinking, everything else could be excused. Well, of course, there were many other symptoms of alcoholism too, which 
were unaddressed by me for a long time. One of them uh, being the absolute inability to draw a logical, sane, sober conclusion based on the facts in my life at the time. I was still... Um, I, um, I was doing insane things and going to AA every day. For example, um, I needed to get my finances cleaned up. So in my business, part of it is I would collect money, sales tax, from selling cars, and then you turn it over to the state. Mm -hmm. You're a trustee, in, in, in a sense. Well, I thought it was a better idea if I didn't turn the money over. I kept it. And then I'd use that money to make more money. And then everybody's happy. That's the game plan. It right. didn't work out that way. I kept the money and spent it. Didn't make more. And it, it, it's real funny. Um, the state calls that uh, thievery or embezzlement or mm -hmm. um, whatever, their, whatever their legal words are. They didn't understand that I didn't mean any harm. I just kept the money and they wanted it back and they wanted it back with interest and with penalties. And um, I remember I was talking to this one revenue agent and he's just staring at me and, and he said, it's not your money, Steve. When we issued you a business license, part of that license was you agreed to act as a trustee for, for the tax money. It's not yours. You stole it. And I remember taking great offense to call me a thief. And yet that's exactly what I did. But that's not how it looked in my mind. Right. Let me interrupt in the essence of time here and just say, how did you finally get to the steps? Because you said in the bio that you wrote to me that AA and A Course in Miracles, you don't see any difference between them. And yet you also said that uh, after 17 years in AA, you felt that something was missing. Can you fast forward a little bit and speak to how did you get to those principles that started changing? Would you say the, that AA also is, is to heal your mind like A Course in Miracles? Because well, I know you facilitate classes in both, right? Right. A a absolutely. And um, what helped me in AA after three years, and I was going to meetings every single day, and I'm not just, I mean, I'm saying that literally, um, because I still hadn't found this piece that people talked about that the steps are supposed to give you. And I'm doing them. I mean, I'm doing the steps the way I think they should be done. And so I ran in, I ran into a recovered alcoholic and I told him kind of my story and what's going on and all that. And he said, Steve, I know what the problem is. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, thank God, you know, share, what is it? He said, you're insane. <laughs> and I didn't take offense because I thought it like the words went to my heart, not to my head. And I thought, you're right, but how do I get out? I mean, what do I do? And he said, well, number one, he said, um, um, one of the conditions of being insane is you don't think you are. Mm -hmm. Sane people are willing to question their thoughts wow. and see if, see if they make sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, that, that really helped me. Anyway, so 
did the steps in a, in another way. My life got way better. I, um, you know, I paid back the money. That's one of the steps. I, uh, I had reunited with my children, which seemed that would never happen. I mean, I, if you can only imagine what I put them through, the school kids and stuff talking about, you know, hey, we heard about your dad and this woman and whatever they went through. At any rate, all that kind of healed. And um, then at 17 years, I had a, a relationship in my life change. And I didn't like that. And I didn't want it. And um, AA couldn't help me because by now I, I was known in our little community, little AA community. Who do I talk to? Um, I think people should do whatever they want to do because that's what they do. But they didn't; they weren't doing what I wanted them to do. And um, it actually affected me so much. I broke my neck and it was diagnosed as stress. And the doctor said, Hey, Steve, um, stress can affect you physically many ways, heart attack, stroke, you know, high blood pressure. Um, you know, you broke your neck. And then somebody had told me about a woman who wrote about what stress does to your body. Of course, right now I can't think of her name, but I'd know it in a second. So, and she's very well known. I, I read her book and um, I get down to the neck part. Like, what's wrong with me? I'm killing myself. I'm so miserable. And she had said, well, uh, problems in the neck stem from refusal to accept things the way they are. So, so you look for a course in miracles because you weren't getting the 12 steps. We don't have a lot of time. So can you like share with our listeners why the 12 steps are what they are in a, in a really concise way and why A Course in Miracles was different for you and what tur- turned you around about when you found The Course in Miracles? Okay. I, I think that the 12 steps and uh, the course, where the course leads you, it's all to the same place. It's just what can I hear at a particular time in my development? And... Um, I picked up a book. Oh, I picked up a book and it had, it referenced the course in miracles. And I'd never heard of the phrase before a course in miracles. So I, I, I got the book cause I was willing to do anything to feel better. I, I didn't want this craziness in my head that my life was over because a relationship changed. And so I get this course and I start reading it. And I had an experience with it that I hadn't had with any other book ever in my life. And here's the best way I can describe it. I went into the words and a dozen hours would go by and I'm still reading. And yet I might not be able to tell you what was in the paragraph I just read. I didn't know what was happening to me, but I knew it was powerful. And, um, I, again, I had never heard of the course and I, I read it all the way through, you know, it took a couple days, but that's, I'm not going to work or anything. I'm just reading this book. And then I started cautiously mentioning it once in a while at some AA meetings. And, and, and 
so many people had heard of it or read parts of it or whatever. And I'm thinking, where have I been? You know, I never heard mm-hmm. of this stuff. And one of my favorite parts in this court in the course, which uh, it's in chapter eight, uh, section nine. And here's what just cemented me to, to, to looking at this way of life. Um, Jesus is talking and he said, I, I said before that the Holy Spirit is the answer. He is the answer to everything because he knows what the answer to everything is. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I read those words and it changed my life because I, I don't know what the answer to anything is. You know, once again, I have trying to build a good, you know, just a decent life. And to me, happiness was measured by lack of drama. Mm-hmm. But well, that's of, fair to say. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning. Sure. Lack of drama is just lack of drama. It's not happy. It's not it's, joy. It's not peace. Right. It's not inner peace. It's not what drinking did for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm reading this book. I'm looking at the principles in it. I'm researching because by now it's 2006. And so Google's out and I'm able to, uh, you know, what are these principles that everybody's talking about? And I'm going on retreats and workshops and I'm just fascinated with, with uh, the, the principles or spiritual laws. And I, I saw early on that a spiritual law has no exceptions ever, or it wouldn't be a law. Right. That's very key because when he says it's all in your mind and you've dreamed it, and there are no exceptions to that. People, when I counsel and, and I do readings and, and I use a course in miracles, it may be a psychic reading or a mediumship, but it, a lot of times people that come to me tend to be ready for a spiritual awakening. And so I find that they come for one thing and then we get to talking about the course as a way to remove a block or something like that. And taking responsibility is something that is hard for people to understand. Why would I have dreamed this situation? Why would I, in other words, victim mentality is big. And I know in the course they say, you're not, I'm not a victim of the world. I see. Was that the case with you? Oh, but little did I realize I had a core belief in victimhood. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, I didn't have the words for it then. And I'm reading in the course that I'm responsible for. Exactly. In in Alcoholics Anonymous and um, the way it's worded in the course, it's just, it's almost word for word. There's a line in the course that says, uh, the secret to salvation is thus. You've done it all to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And then we would actually have a workshop with just that sentence. We did it all to ourselves. That means nobody else did. Mm-hmm. And we get to, we get to have um, brought up into consciousness our deep beliefs that I'm this way in this situation because somebody else did or didn't do that. Yeah. And then the freedom that I started to feel from, um, because I'm, I'm, I understand what a, what a spiritual law is, no exceptions. And then I would read in here that um, kindness is always appropriate. And we would look at that. That means there's never a situation where kindness wouldn't be appropriate. Well, mm-hmm. what about when somebody's, you know, blah, 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 all the stories we make up. And it's yeah. just, Stephen, what's the law? What's the law? Mm-hmm. So um, I started following it. I didn't want to just, 
I mean, I had to, there was so much to read and my head felt like it was exploding with information I was putting in it and I wanted it. I mean, I, I pursued it, um, but I wanted to put it into experience too. And um, what a surprise. <laughs> Spirit gave me all sorts of opportunities to put it into practice <laughs> and, and continues to. And you're laugh right now, Shelly. It's, it's so beautiful because life is joy. And if I'm less than that or not that, what's wrong with my thinking? That's the best question. Not what's, <laughs> not what's wrong in Afghanistan or what the stock market's doing. Or if, if I'm not in joy, um, there's another way to look at, it, at, a, at a situation. And that's where I get the help from the Course in Miracle community. Um, specifically with John French, we meet every Monday morning with my wife and um, we, we look at these principles and ha- have a great time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I have a quick question. Sure. Uh, because I know that I, I hear the voice of Holy Spirit within, which is actually, you know, I'm, I'm a medium. And so I hear my guides and other people's guides and all that. But I have found that, that the voice of Holy Spirit comes in my voice and it is never the frequency of the mind. It is always deeply, deeply peaceful and always, always flawless and always something that is a big aha to me. It's like, and so I, I talk to Holy Spirit, which I know is my God self and no, is not separate from me. And yet I still have that dialogue to say, wow, I need to see this differently. Knowing that my higher self, the person, the the one that's never left the source can answer me. And, and I'll either get a knowing within me. Some of my clients say it was laid on my heart and that happens to me too, but often I will hear that inner voice. How do you, how do you get your guidance? How do you hear Holy Spirit? Because you mentioned earlier that it says in the course that Holy Spirit has all the answers because Holy Spirit is outside of time space, right? And so all the answers that you will ever ask that are in separation are known by, by God, by your God self. But how do you explain it? How do you get your guidance? Well, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Thank you. And um, there was a time where I felt... Um, where I need to see things differently. Mm-hmm. And there was a shift at some point in time and it shifted to, I want to see things differently. Yes. That's and, the, that's the point when you decide that you really want to, he says it's Jesus says you have, they have to have the little willingness and you really, really do. And then when the farther you go, don't you find that it's a lot of willingness <laughs> because the stuff starts coming up. You really have to want to change your mind. I mean, you have, because if you don't, you, you just are where you are and you're never going to move forward. Right. And it, it might not be that unusual where I tried to take the principles of AA, the principles that I learned in ACIM, they're the same. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to like incorporate it into my ego way of living. Ah. Uh. And I don't think that's so unusual. Of course, it doesn't work. <laughs> but uh, b- because it's that um, turning our will over. Um, and, and I, um, A Course in Miracles helped me with the steps in AA so much. You know, they, they just helped each other because of the explanations and the infinite patience that I find with Jesus explaining the same topics over and over and over again. 
And sometimes I've even, th- I've said like out loud, you know, like, Hey, thanks pal. <laughs> you know, I, I need to hear it for not the thousandth time, but the thousandth and one. <laughs> and, and what's helped me in life w- with this is the, the real belief that there's no exceptions in the principles. And I don't see that as a punishment, but as a great aid. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, one time, which is real helpful to me, it was explained to me like um, uh, gravity is a law. There's a law of gravity. And if we talked about the exceptions to that law, it'd be a real short conversation because there aren't (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, there, there's nowhere to go with this. Jesus says, this is like non-negotiable. <laughs> and yeah. there's great news in that because yes. I, can, I can hope there is and I'll, I'll, I'll experience very familiar consequences or I'll put all my trust. Okay, I believe in this law right now more than anything else. And great event is a quote from me, a great events begin to happen. Mm-hmm. that I could never foresee. Right. And well, we should probably, uh, we're, we're going to run out of time here in about 20 minutes. So if, if you're okay with moving forward, um, oh, sure. when you, you, uh, you offer classes in Course in Miracles and in uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and then you are an ordained ministerial counselor for what Pathways of Light, I'm wondering what do most people, what is their core issue? What do most people that come to you struggle with? You find that it's generally the same because I do in my practice, you know, it's generally a, a self-worth issue. And how would you counsel somebody if they came to you with jealousy or abandonment or, or whatever? Can you give in a short, uh, cause we're going to run out of time and I have some more questions for you. Um, you know, what do most people struggle with in your opinion that, that seek your help? Well, um, probably the same as you, they believe they're thinking mm-hmm. and their thinking is insane. And I, I, I can identify with them so well. And so it's um, a matter of, I mean, I hear there's, I'll listen to their story. Most of the people I deal with, most of them come from the AA community because that's, that's but then there's a course in miracles community but it's still the same like you're saying jealousy fear of abandonment you know mm-hmm. i can't keep a relationship together yes um so so those issues will just you know they'll go over every line whether you're alcoholic or 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 whatever and the the story always comes from my you know my mother did this or whatever that my husband was abusive all, all that kind of stuff so if we can get to a place where we can um, um, quietly in the, it, slow down the mental storm and just look at our thoughts, and um, then, then we can make progress. And I say progress because progress towards a peaceful way of thinking, which will lead to a peaceful way of living. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's many people, they have a story in their mind. Hey, this person wronged me. So make it so I don't suffer anymore, but I'm not going to give up that thought. Exactly. Yeah, and, that that's that's the bottom line of everything is that it's in your mind and you have to change your mind. Where did you know 
uh, I have two questions. Where did you know in the journey that things were starting to change for you? Was there, I had a divine revelation and I was studying the course. This was after uh, I, I met you and I, you know, I had been struggling with it and I couldn't because I wasn't willing to change my mind. I, I wasn't really willing to stop telling my story, you know, I, I, but I had divine revelation and that, that experience of at one moment that Jesus says you can't put in words and you, you really can't. And it changed the course of my life because I knew what the goal was. Then I went, Oh my God, this is what we get for eternity is that eternal peace that does not shift. I mean, none of my outer circumstances changed that everything I was beseeching God for. I need this, this, and this to be okay, to be happy. And none of it changed, but in the blink of an eye, sitting in a car in a half an hour's time, everything had changed. So what was your hallmark moment if you had one, or was it a gradual experience? And what was key, do you think, was your turnaround? Well, it was yes to both. One of the moments was that experience I described about going into the words of the book, mm-hmm. just not even being present present in my chair. I was just in the, in the words. Uh-huh. And so I knew something was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew that my way wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And then in the, um, you know, I'm reading the course over and over and over again. Steve, it, it was like so personal. Stephen, your way will never work. Exactly. I wasn't taking offense at that. It's just your way won't work because you're following a guide that doesn't know where he's going. Exactly. The ego. Do you, uh, what is your experience now? Do you, do you have peace running in the back of your mind all the time? Do you still get triggered? If so, how do you deal with it? Or are you pretty much, you know, have you arrived? Um, you, you know, th- those are real good questions too. And I guess uh, how I view it is I had the, because I'm, when I first started the course, I'm researching, of course, people that are teaching it and I'm going, I'm going to wherever they are to listen to their lectures and stuff and then run into people and of course become very good friends with, I think you and I talked about Dr. Mundy, John Mundy. Yes, John Mundy is an excellent teacher of the course. I'm always attracted to his, uh, right at the get-go when I was looking for other teachers too. You know, yeah. I think it's healthy to look around because certain people just speak to you and he always did. Plus he's, he's deeply peaceful. You can feel it, you know? Yeah. Th- there's a man that had what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and he had a gentleness about him mm-hmm. that, um, I, and he just said, cause you're seeing who I really am. And he said, yes. you're the same way, Steve, but you just don't know it yet. Right, because it's our true nature that is gentle and kind and all of the attributes that we respect and love and want to be are who we really are. That's that's the truth. I was listening to Rupert Spira. I don't know if you follow him, but he's a fabulous non-dualist. I was listening right. to him last night. He has a gift of just incredible way to express the beautiful words of who we really are. And it really moved me because it, it, it's so beautiful who we are. We are kindness. We are compassion. We are gentleness. We are uh, courage. We are tolerance. We're all of all of those beautiful things. And and so there's no fear when you think about that. You're just removing the stones in the way to who you really are. And I think I think maybe that would help people. Right. And then to finish off uh, a couple of your questions, like, do I still get triggered? Yeah, a- absolutely. And um 
uh, how it looks in my life now was uh, maybe two years ago, I came to the conclusion. Remember, I'm real good at coming to sane, sober conclusion. Right. One of my brothers screwed me out of an inheritance. And so the more I thought about it, the more evidence I had that he had done this. And it, it actually, in my mind, it cost me a, a place to live on Whidbey Island, you know, for the rest of my life, Be- a beautiful place. And so the more I thought about it, the more evidence I got and the angrier I got, because who wants to be screwed out of an inheritance by your little brother? Right. And um, so I, I'm talking to my wife about it and, um, and I'm sure John too, because I don't want to be like, Oh, I can't be angry because, you know, I've done all this work. Yes. I, I'm, I'm past that. I'm okay. Right. We I'm, need to be honest about it. Yeah. Right. I'm angry. Therefore I'm insane. <laughs> right. Well, yes. Cause Jesus says that, I mean, there is no, uh, what does he say? How does anger he say is it? Never justified. His Ang- anger is never justified because you're never angry for the reason you think you're angry because you can't feel your peace and your connection to the divine. Right. So with help, because um, remember, it, it wasn't I need to see this differently. I want to because mm-hmm. I don't want to hate my brother. I don't I don't want the feelings that I have that I'm creating in myself. I got to stop it. So I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking spirit, you know, how do I think? And I suppose he has spirit has personalized ways of talking to everybody, but with yeah. me, it's often like, just slow the shit storm in your mind down for a minute, Stephen. <laughs> Let it calm down for a minute. So I'm saying, okay. And so I was able to, with some help, look at things differently. This inheritance Oh, and also a great teacher of mine has been Byron Katie. Well, I wanted to bring that up. Now, we have about seven minutes left in the whole show. So do say, because, you know, uh, I understand that there's two ways to enlightenment, surrender and self-inquiry. And when you and I spoke, you you turned me on to Byron Katie, who, for people who don't know, I believe is enlightened. I mean, she's incredible. Her work is actually called The Work. And she helps you question, uh, who am I? You might want to say a little bit more about that. But uh, I did buy her book. And at the time, I couldn't understand it. Now I do. So self-inquiry. But go ahead and tell me. Keep in mind, we want to get everything in because we've just got a few more minutes. Okay. Well, she she has four questions after you read read the book. And if, if her method of self-inquiry is helpful, it was to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been to a lot of people that I know. But like, is it true that he screwed me out of an inheritance? It turned out, no, it's not. He it, it, just to, he was in, he inherited some stuff that I thought some of it should be mine. And so I got to see from there. Hey, can it be okay that he does whatever he wants to do with what's his? <laughs> you know, because that's what I do. Wow. And so I was able to end up, it was some work because I had some real strong feel, real strong feelings. And um, it turned out what I want is to be a good brother. I don't care what anybody else does. Wow. And so I can show up in life, in family stuff, and just be a good brother. That's some healing. Good for you. No, but Shelly, you you know what it's like to not have it, not pretend you don't, 
not right. be able to hide it so you can be social to somebody that you can't stand. Right. No, it's painful because I've had family situations too, where I've held so much anger and resentment. And just lately I've been able to see my way around that. And I am so relieved, so yeah. relieved because I'm feeling happy again that, that I feel the love, you know, I mean, it's everything to me. So I think, I know we're, we're just about over then. I think when you feel good or go, that's feeling God. Yes. And right. um, <laughs> I don't need a bottle of bourbon to do that anymore. Oh, that's wonderful. So your, your experience most of the time is, is that your mind is still like Byron Katie says, because I know my mind is more and more still all the time where my, and it's easier when I live very deeply in the present. And when I, I did a, uh, podcast on uh, the lesson that you must give up the belief that you must plan. And I was already living that way very much in the now, but it's so much easier to see your random thoughts that go by that are repetitive and to say, nope, I'm not going there this time. It slows everything down. Does it work that way for you? Absolutely. You know, for however many years, 50 years or whatever, I, I developed a habit of believing my thoughts unquest- without question. Mm-hmm. And so it takes some time, of course, to develop a new habit. It involves a lot of repetition, which is, you know, like you said, it's slowing down. And um, and then it, not only does life get better, it gets humorous. That is that is true. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> I think I'm just approaching the humor stage because I've been very hard on myself. People that know me say, my God, you beat the hell out of yourself. And, and I, I do. And over my birthday uh, week... Uh, coming up to my birthday, I let go of the guilt I'd been carrying for, for years. And it was appreciable in my mind, in my mind. And it was always, you know, it, the ego would always, my, my, that thought, the separate self would always be willing to just point the finger all the time. And I seem to have let that go. And it's, I can't tell you, I mean, you probably know the, the guilt that you probably had to let go of. It's, it's, it's not the same. I don't want to tell that story anymore. It's, it's, it's exhausting and it isn't true anyway. Yeah. And then one, one more quick plug for pathways of light. Yes. I, I just found, you know, with Google or whatever, I found that's an organization that um, helps you live your life based on the principles in the course. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, emailed them, all that stuff got involved they have a series of different courses you can take to, to better understand the course. It's a hundred percent of course material. Okay. And um, so I was taking them, you know, one after the next, after the next, after the next. And then it turns out uh, Robert Stolen, who's head of pathways, he calls me and he said, well, Steve, you've taken all the courses you need to become an ordained minister. Yeah. And I thanked him and I laughed. I said, Hey, I'm Catholic. We don't go for that ordained minister stuff. <laughs> And he said, will you do me a favor? And I said, well, of course. You know, I love the man. I'd do anything. He said, ask Spirit what you should do. Oh, bingo. (laughs) That is what I always say. I mean, ask Holy Spirit. If you want to know the answer, the answer is there. Yeah. You have to want to know. (laughs) Well, we have a couple of minutes left. Can you tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. Well, the... uh... I have a biography and stuff at, at pathways.org, but it, it's, it won't be up till about Tuesday. It's a redoing it. Pathways just moved from Florida to uh, back up to Illinois. Okay. And, but in the meantime, um, I'm Stephen Mead 
S-T-E-P-H-A-N-M-E-A-D at Gmail. And I would send a link when, when that thing gets put back up. Okay, great. So people can come to you for the counseling and you do teach classes and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, all that, all that works, all that works out. And you're in the Seattle, Washington area. Seattle area, right. Okay. And, and that's the, I guess that's the best way to phrase it. You teach classes, but as you know, it doesn't turn out that way. We, uh, we look at material together and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And always there is a gift. Uh, there's a gift in it. I, I know that I'm doing this podcast and even in my coaching, there's always an aha for me, you know, because you teach what you need to know, or you need to lay in again and again and again. So that old programming goes away and, and it, you reveal your divine nature to yourself. But, um, oh, gee, I, I've really enjoyed that you've come today. I hope people have found some of their own situation in it, even if they, they haven't had an experience with alcohol. Everybody is, you know, has had something, right? And everybody has the same opportunity to change their mind and stop telling their story. And, uh, and peace is possible, is it not, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. And so a phrase came to me, which is real famous in the course, that um, I, I just got to a place in life where I said, there just has to be a better way. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. When, when, you're, when you're just generally down on your knees or out of your comfort zone, as Eckhart Tolle would say, is when you make the most progress. So, well, I thank you for coming today. I think we only have a couple minutes. Let me just share my contact information. I'm at uh, ShellyJMiller.com, S-H-E-L-L-Y, JMiller.com. And you can book a, uh, a reading of any kind or a coaching session from Course in Miracles. Um, number is 949-237-2960. Join the email while you're on there because I do uh, send emails that are helpful. And of course, uh, like uh, links to Steve and that kind of thing. And if you, you need to get in touch with him and you didn't catch the information, did you want to share that again? Stephen Mead yeah. at Gmail? Sure. Stephen Mead at Gmail. And it's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-M-E-A-D at Gmail. And uh, my number is 206 206- Three eight zero two three one eight. Okay, good. Because I think there are going to be a lot of people that that feel a simpatico with you. And uh, it, in closing thoughts, what's what's the, what's the takeaway? What is the most important thing you want to uh, let people know in a couple minutes? Oh, there is a better way. Okay, and 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 out of the yeah, out of the rubble comes comes the phoenix does rise, doesn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. And if- if anybody that's listening to this is also an AA, then I'm just Stephen M. Okay. That, that, that's okay. a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That I don't know, but, but I, I'm glad. Yeah. Do you see the world differently now? And if so, how? Oh, yes. Every part of it. Um, I, I see it all as opportunity to, um, to, to, to be joyful. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a beautiful ending. We have 30 seconds left or less. So an opportunity to be joyful is something that I think most people don't understand. Eckhart Tolle has said, joy comes as peace is extended and extended and extended. And I think that that's true. You know, so I have so enjoyed our conversation today. Stephen, thank you for coming. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And to everyone listening, I'll be back in two weeks. Uh, You can see the podcast download on my uh, homepage on my website, ShellyJMiller.com, or here at BBS 
uh, radio station one, you will see our show Finding Your Peace with Shelley J. Miller in, in the archives. Uh, my show will be downloaded with the rest of them on the homepage in a couple of days. And I, I don't have a topic for next week or a guest, but Spirit tells me Stephen is going to lead me to the next guest. So we'll talk about that after. <laughs> okay. All I right. Was Don the engineer here or something? I just wanted to thank him. Yes. Don. Don. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Don. And right. I, I think that wraps it up for today. As always, you are the light of the world. We are so loved. Know it for yourself that there's love and hope and and, uh, you know, take take heart because there is a better way to live. We hope that you've enjoyed about the Course in Miracles and, and Al- Alcoholics Anonymous. And maybe, you know, someone that you can share this podcast with. All right, everyone. Blessings and love to all of you. And to Stephen, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Join us next time, every other Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific time for Finding Your Peace with Shelley J. Miller. Be sure to look for the podcasts Finding Your Peace with Shelley J. Miller on iTunes, Google Play, and all of your favorite podcast stations. To contact Shelley, book an appointment, and to find out more about her work, go to ShellyJMiller.com.